You are listening to the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. My name is Heather Lee Kennison, and I am the host of this podcast as well as a founder of Women in Youth Ministry. You can check out our website, womeninyouthministry.com, to read our blog, follow our social media, and join our Facebook community. Thank you so much for tuning in to celebrate the voices of women. everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. This week, our guest is Rebecca Strobel. Rebecca is an ordained reverend who worked in youth ministry for over 10 years, and we did not kick her out of the Women in Youth Ministry Facebook group because she now serves in a nonprofit focused on working with residents in affordable housing in the Seattle area. Rebecca, why don't you go ahead and say hi to everybody and uh, introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so Heather, it is so exciting to be on this. I have been a faithful member of our lovely Facebook page for many years. Uh, When I was in youth ministry, it was a source of great encouragement to me and no longer being in youth ministry, but still being in ministry as an individual in this world, uh, it continues to be a source of great encouragement to me, a source of challenge and a source of uh, just joy. So I'm glad to be here. And yeah, I... Oh, gosh. Introducing yourself is always such a funny thing. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't I have you, one of my favorite things to ask everybody is, like, what is your call story? How did you get involved in ministry? And then what led you to your position now? Uh, Yeah, so call story. That's a great way to start. I had exactly zero plans (laughs) of ever being in ministry. That was not my goal. It was not my desire. I did grow up in the church. Um, I have you know, follow Jesus really is my, my life, my whole life. Um, but I believe it or not, was going to be a famous actress. Um, you might not know <laughs> that, but I was, that was the whole plan from the very beginning. Um, I actually went to school down in, uh, well outside of LA. Um, and I studied like screenwriting and film development and I had all these plans and I did music and theater and like, that was my goal. And then uh, through a series of a lot of different challenges, um, I ended up moving back home after college to Oregon, which is where I grew up, just kind of south of the Portland area. And here I was, 23 years old, college degree in hand, and I was living back with my parents and my, at the time, 13-year-old sister. And I was like, (laughs) wow, this is what failure looks like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's how I felt, you know, for, for many months, I felt like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm that person as if somehow that was a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that process, uh, my parents gave me an enormous amount of grace and they asked me to really take the time to figure out who it was that I really wanted to be and, and how I wanted to live in this world. Mm-hmm. And so 
I did uh, and felt like there was just no direction for a long time, which honestly, it was only six months. But at the time, it felt like exactly <laughs> forever. Yes. And uh, the youth pastor at the church that I had grown up at, he uh, he hadn't been my youth pastor. I didn't know him. He was, he was new, you know, since I had left. And he sought me out and was like, hey, let's go get lunch. And I, he knew I had worked at camp for a couple summers and uh, just said, hey, we're desperate for youth leaders. Is there any chance you'd be willing to work with kids? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I need something to do with my time. <laughs> um, and so I started working with youth group, uh, started helping out with middle schoolers and high schoolers and loved it. I've always loved kids and particularly that age group is a lot of fun for me. And so I <laughs> started hanging out with them every single week. And then pretty soon he was like, well, why don't you plan games? And then, oh, hey, why don't you lead a talk? And you know what? I gotta be gone this week. Why don't you just lead everything? <laughs> And, and the whole time I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing while I'm trying to figure out what it is that I'm going to do. Right. And oh. so after months of doing that, he invited me to a, a local youth conference and I went to that. And at the end of that day, there was this, you know, being a woman in ministry seminar. And I was like, well, I'm not a woman in ministry, but well, there's nothing else interesting. So I'll go to that. <laughs> An hour and a half of sitting around a circle and talking with other women. And I, I literally left that day and I went home and I looked at my parents and I said, I think that, I think I'm going into ministry. I think that's the thing wow. for me, you know? And, um, and it was great. I told the, the youth pastor, the guy, his name was Mark and big old smile spread across his face. And he's like, yes, I knew it. <laughs> and I was like, did, did you? And he goes, honestly, I've known it for months, but I knew that like, I couldn't tell you that wasn't my thing to tell you that was your thing to discover wow. um and so i ended up actually doing an internship for a year i went to seminary uh in chicago and i have been in ministry ever since in some way shape and form so it was a call that really surprised me but then the second it happened it was like oh well yeah that's exactly the right fit um and then that's just continued to grow and change over the years and now I'm still in ministry, though I'm not serving in a church. I'm, you know, working in affordable housing and I love it. So, yeah. That has to be like one of the coolest call stories I've ever heard. Like, <sighs> you know, I think like one is like a youth pastor. Like, yeah, I hope that I'm like training up volunteers to where maybe they would consider a career in ministry too. But even, you know, just like the camaraderie of having a place for women in ministry. You're like, I don't know where else to go, but I guess I'm going here. And it was that like sisterhood that like finally confirmed for you, like a calling for you is so, so cool. And I think it goes to show you that like, you never know like what, like what you're doing and how it might impact somebody else that you ever, the people who led that probably thought we're just leading a seminar today. We're just creating a safe space. And what they probably did not realize is that someone might actually find their calling that day. Well, and I never, I've never seen any of those women again. I still mm -hmm. remember specific stories that they told. I remember how one woman talked about, you know, she had been a youth pastor and then she got pregnant. And so she just assumed that she had to stop. Wow. And then her husband had encouraged her like, well, well, I don't, I mean, if you want to stop, that's fine, but like maybe keep going. And so she was telling us how she had this specific memory of she had a six month old that she was nursing. And so she brought her six month old with her to this youth conference. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is it. There's no way, this is way too much. And it was a bunch of middle school boys sitting around <laughs> in a room with her talking and they were all like passing her six month old around and like tenderly oh. caring for her baby. And she was like, oh my gosh, like this, 
what an incredible, beautiful moment for these, you know, 13 and 14 year old boys to be like tenderly caring for this child. And, and she was like, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. Anyway, it's just hearing that was so amazing. And I've never seen any of them again, but yeah. Yeah. Completely, completely changed the trajectory of my life in many ways. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, I invited you on today because we had a thread a few weeks ago in our Women in Youth Ministry Facebook group. And somebody was looking for some materials to do like a purity night or a purity retreat. And, um, you know, I know that most churches have really stepped away from the word purity, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't know if we're going to get into that today, but (laughs) that could be a whole (laughs) other podcast episode. Um, I'll come back. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Two part series. So, um, and and a lot of people are commenting on this thread and just saying, Hey, like, Purity is just like a word that we don't really use anymore. Um, and I know I was kind of looking at this thread and thinking a lot of people were were responding to this person and saying, don't do that. But a few people were actually offering solutions. And I was getting a little like frustrated as a, as a moderator of the group because yeah. I thought, you know, I don't really want to shame someone for, for what they do. I do think it's great to offer some additional resources. So who's going to do it? And then Rebecca popped in and said something incredibly brilliant that got like 75 likes. Then people are commenting uh, like, where did you get this? Where are your resources? And you said, did you write a paper or that you were on a podcast or you were on a blog or something? Yeah. So no, actually um, years ago, probably five years ago, I was asked to speak at um, the denomination that I was serving in at the time. Yes. Um, there was a youth workers conference that they had every January. And I was asked to speak at that, just like a short kind of Ted talk style talk. Mm-hmm. And it was literally just seven minutes long. Uh, but I, I spoke on exactly this, this subject that we're going to be talking about today and, uh, got a lot of response from that one too. <laughs> yes. And everyone was like, where is it? I want to listen to it. <laughs> I, I tried to find it, but I think it's like, it's just old enough that like it's escaped to the archives. I can't find it anywhere online. So I did, I sent out actually my manuscript to a couple people. I was like, well, I don't have a video, but you can read my manuscript. That's great. I, I got all like, um, like side eyes emoji when I was reading all these comments and I was like, Rebecca. So I sent, I sent you a message, uh, being like, Hey, come on the women youth ministry podcast. And then I commented on the friends thread, all of Rebecca's fans. I've snagged her for an episode of women in youth ministry podcast. Oh, so good to hear you talk about this. Yeah, so my people, people are like, I can't wait. Like I'm counting down the days. <laughs> oh well, here's hoping we don't disappoint. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no pressure, no pressure. Oh yeah, no, no, it's really cool. I'm not over here sweating. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go ahead and just share, uh, share about your perspective mm-hmm. on purity talks and why you've quit focusing on stay pure. And mm-hmm. you started focusing on uh, a new mentality. Yeah. 
So I grew up in purity culture. Uh, I was a child of the 80s and 90s. And so middle school, right at the end of the 90s, high school, right at the beginning of, you know, those 2000s. And purity <laughs> culture was my jam. It was like the sweet spot of youth ministry at the time. I, uh, my parents, uh, who are incredible, and actually I think did a very good job talking about sex and relationships at home. Um, they still like, I remember the day they sat me down. I was 13 and I was in the middle of the couch and they were on either side of me and they gave me a ring and it was my purity ring, right? And cause that was what they knew. That was what the mm -hmm. church was telling them was the best thing. And they were parents that wanted to do the best right thing. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, you know, I read, I kissed dating goodbye. Oh I, man. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That could be a podcast too. <laughs> I'll talk about that any day. So I, I grew up in that world, right? And I proudly did. I, I proudly wore like my my purity ring on my my left hand ring finger, and I was saving myself from marriage. And that was the message, right? That was the message that I believed. The message I was told from everyone at church, even from again my very well intentioned parents, like you're saving yourself from marriage. And that was the message driven into me that I carried around with me for a long time was I am someone's future wife and my, you know, sacred yeah. sexuality belongs to him. Um, and so I carried that with me for a long time, again, all through middle school, all through high school. And, um, and I didn't question it. That was, that was, uh, that was gospel truth, right? And then I got to college. I went to a Christian college. And um, so again, that was very, very welcomed there. And that was what- Ring by spring. Uh, oh, Lord in heaven, you know it. <laughs> I thought I was going to meet my fella. That was okay. my thought in college. My parents had met in college. I was going to a Christian college and that was just what you did, right? And all my friends had purity rings. And that was the thing that everyone talked about. And then, you know, college kept on going. And I, I wasn't meeting anyone. And kind of like everyone else was, it seemed like, right? Honestly, like my close friend group all throughout college, every single one of them met their spouses in college. Yeah. Except for one, I guess she met him like right afterward. But graduated school, still no spouse, no boyfriend even. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was still okay. I could still be, you know, pure. I was only 23 and that wasn't so bad. Uh, and then, you know, I, I said I had my time at home and then I went to seminary in Chicago and, and I was 25 and then I was 26 and then I was, you know, graduating at 28 and I was still single and I had, you know, no marriage prospects in sight. Right. And the idea of waiting for anything was a lot less satisfying and a lot more frustrating. Mm -hmm. And in my own life, I was just starting to feel so abandoned. Like mm -hmm. I had been told my whole life, like God will give you the desires of your hearts. Like mm, future podcast, let's just talk about taking scripture right outside of his context, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> and so I was like, well, this is the desire of my heart, God. Like I wanna, I want to be married. Like, I really want to have kids. Also, like, let's be honest. I really just want to have sex. Come on. And, and this was my, uh, oh gosh, it was so frustrating. And then I got a, I got a job and I moved to um, central Washington, which was where I lived for quite a while working in youth ministry um, after seminary. And 
I still was kind of doing ministry the way that I had been raised to do it. And so, you know, we would have like the sex talks or the dating and marriage talks, you know, at least a couple times a year. And I would do the thing that now I hate where I would have uh, students make lists, lists of what are the qualities I want in a future spouse, right? Because that's what I had been taught. Right. I need those lists. And then I remember even having, you know, especially like the female students would write a list uh, to their future husband. Mm-hmm. You want to puke now. But you know, <laughs> this is what I knew. I had point equivalents. <laughs> like I made a whole list. Gosh, I was psycho. I made a whole list <laughs> and I put point equivalents. And yes. I, and it was like, if a guy got up to 30 points or whatever, then he was dateable. And like Christian was like, like non-negotiable, like, like Christian or bust. But I think I still made like 10 points. And then it was like tall, brown hair, um, uh, kind, uh, fit. Like, I don't know. Like it was a lot of exactly superficial stuff. Tracks in their abs. Right. And it was like. When I meet a guy, he has to, and the, here's the thing. I married a short, short, bald guy with a yeah, dad bod. You did. <laughs> that's the best right thing. Uh, he would not have scored 30 points on my list. That's okay. Cause I was never going to even consider dating someone that was more than four years older than me, nor was I ever going to date anyone that had a child. And I am uh, now married to a man who's almost eight years older than me and has a child. <laughs> so there you go. The Lord works in mysterious <sighs> ways. <laughs> anyway, so you were list writing with your yeah, students. Yeah, so we were list writing, doing all the things that like, honestly had helped me exactly not at all when I was their age. Um, And again, I was just getting more and more dissatisfied, like with the way that I was understanding dating and marriage and uh, my my place in this world and human sexuality and all of those things. And so I realized I just needed to severely, okay, it's funny because like the word of the hour right now is deconstruct, right? And Mm -hmm. I have been through quite the deconstruction um, and a lot of different things, but I needed to really deconstruct the way that I understood what it meant to be um hmm, pure plus at this point I myself had seen the damage that had done in my own life and my own hang-ups and my own things that like were so hard for me to even you know um try to figure out what is a healthy sexuality as a single woman what does that even look like right Mm -hmm. especially when I'm getting closer to my 30s and then looking at my friends who had grown up specifically my female friends but also my male friends that had grown up in purity culture of the late 90s and the early 2000s and the incredible damage that it had inflicted upon them um mm-hmm. the, the way that it really hurt their their emotional and mental selves the way it hurt their spiritual selves hurt their mm-hmm. gosh the amount of women I knew that got married at a young age mm-hmm. um you know, like 21 22 23 that at 30 couldn't even enjoy sex because they right. still had so much damage mentally around purity culture and having been told like sex is wrong sex is bad don't do it it's like there is this expectation in the church and I think unfortunately it does still exist in some places Mm -hmm. that like don't do it don't do it don't even think about it it's nothing but sinful and wrong but then you get married you're supposed to like 
flip this switch and suddenly like you're a crazy wild sex maniac hey you go on with your bad self right and, like and you live to please your husband yes oh my gosh exactly and how many times I was told as a kid or maybe not as a kid but like as a young adult like well men are really the physical ones and women are the feelers Heck no. I mean, yeah, men are physical. Guess what? They also have very large feelings. And women, <laughs> super physical. Some of us, I don't think maybe necessarily all women are, but like, hi, hand raised over here. So I, I got to this point where I, I needed to do away with all of these ideas, like God will give you the desire of your hearts, right? Or really, I think so much of it comes down to identity formation. Mm -hmm. Right. Like when we talk with students about sexuality, about dating, even about the possibility of marriage, mm -hmm. I think so much of it is identity or should be first focused on our identity, because mm -hmm. I think that for so long, I know I did, I was talked to like this. I myself, unfortunately talked to students like this, but would talk about like someday when you're married mm -hmm. and that was how, what we partnered, right? Hand in hand with God will give you the desires of your hearts. Someday when you're married, God will give you the desires of your hearts. As if somehow that was a fullness of what you should desire is to right. be married, right? As if somehow that was going to be God's greatest gift to you. And okay, well, BS, first of all, on that <laughs> one. But I'm like, at this point, I'm in my thirties and I'm like, no, I, I, I stopped one day and I looked at my life and I thought, I really like my life. Like, yeah, I, I did still have a desire to be married. I, I didn't want to be single forever, but mm -hmm. I looked around and I realized like what I have is good. Like, I like who I am. I like my career. I, I like my friends. I like my family. I like the home I've created. And I think for so long, I had understood my own identity couched in someday I'll be married which prevented me from understanding my own identity couched in this is who I am as a present person. Like this is who I am is exactly who God created me to be. And that that is enough. Hmm. And that that is where I can find, um, you know, incredible satisfaction. And so then I got asked to talk at this youth conference and the whole focus on it was reimagining youth ministry. And I was like, I got you. I am reimagining <laughs> all of it. And I remember standing up in front of like hundreds and hundreds of youth workers. And I, my first line that I said was the church has a problem with singleness. Mm. <laughs> and then I laid into it. I won't lie to you. Uh, but basically <laughs> talked about, because I think this is still true. Churches don't know what to do with single people. I agree. Yeah. They don't, and especially with single people that are in their 20s and then their 30s and oh, God forbid, in their 40s, right? Because like, then you're just sad. And if right? you're a woman, if you're a guy, you must be a pervert. And if you're a yeah. woman, then you are like an old maid or a hag. Well, and clearly you're too difficult and you're expecting too much from people. Right. Which I would like to say to all the women listening to this, because I'm assuming most of you are women, mm -hmm. uh, you are never too much. You should right. be a lot. <laughs> you know, I've, I've uh, never really thought about like, you know, as I've deconstructed, uh, like my experiences with purity culture, mine are pretty similar to yours. Did the true love weight situation. Um, I asked for a purity ring for my grandfather because he was like the spiritual leader in my life, um, <laughs> which is like 
really weird now to think that I asked my grandfather for a purity ring. Like I asked my grandfather to be involved in my sex life, basically. No. Which is oh. weird. <laughs> <laughs> I and I don't mean to make this weird, but I just I buried my grandfather two weeks ago and I like oh, thought about like the memories I had with my grandfather, who I love very much. And that was one of them yeah. where I was like, that is so weird. Like, why did I do that? <laughs> didn't didn't mean to you know scar you forever it's fine uh-huh uh-huh um so I, I like know that purity culture taught me sex is bad sex is bad sex is bad unless you're married then it's good mm-hmm. but I never really connected how much purity culture taught me that you're destined or designed for marriage yes um but that yes. is what I was taught Yes, it is. And that's how I think so many of us were taught. And unfortunately, I think it's still how the church talks. I mean, how many times do you go and you listen to a sermon from a wonderful pastor who is all of their analogies are marriage analogies. I think we're taught wrongly that the only or maybe the the highest understanding of the love of God is in marriage or or in having kids right like Mm -hmm. that is how we will finally understand the love of God to which I say yet again bs Mm -hmm. I'm choosing not to swear I kind of want to I won't lie to you (laughs) light swearing's okay (laughs) yes I, I I am currently married and I I have a a really beautiful marriage. And I love my husband very much. I love my stepson very much. And I do understand new dimensions of the love of God. But I'll tell you this, as a single woman, I very much knew the love of God. Mm -hmm. I knew sacrificial love very, very much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Getting married didn't suddenly show me who God is. Okay. Being a human created in the image of God showed me who God is. And so that was really the shift that I, I made in my own life, but then really made that shift. I, I I went and I spoke at this conference. I was super jazzed. I was like, here we go. And I went back. And then for the next few years um, of youth ministry, I, number one, I talked about sex a lot more. I did actually talk about dating and marriage a lot more. Um, and I kept the guys and the girls together for most of it. And mm-hmm. I completely shifted from any focus on waiting because also, oh, let's be honest. Okay. I get it. Like it's a spiritual discipline to wait, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it, it is for all of you that are blessed by that. Be blessed. I, think no one likes to wait. I think especially mm-hmm. teenagers don't like to wait. And when all you can hand them is, well, um, I know that you're super horny and you want to have sex a lot, but you should just wait for marriage. That doesn't actually offer them anything. Because again, mm-hmm. that is the assumption that they are someone's future spouse, which is not a promise that God ever, ever, ever made to them. God made right. lots of promises. Sorry, hon, that's not one of them, right? Mm-hmm. And so I stopped talking about waiting. And I started talking about creating because I know for me, I need to be a proactive person. I don't do well being told to, well, like, "Mm, just sit and wait. I need to be able to actively pursue something. And I think a lot Mm. of people feel that way, especially a lot of teenagers. And so uh, I did not do away with lists. In fact, we started making a lot more lists, but the lists that I have them start to make where they would sit down and I would say, I want you to think about you and the person that you really, really want to be. Hmm. What are the characteristics that you would like to build up in yourself? What sort of 
passions do you want to build? What ways do you want to exist in this world? How do you want to contribute to it? Because the thing is, yeah, you're in a stage of life where you are waiting for a lot of things. Like you're waiting to be old enough to drive. You're waiting mm -hmm. to get out of your parents' house. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. But right now you aren't someone's future husband or wife. You are a present person with present purpose because mm. God isn't like, you know, I, I think when we t tell people like, well, wait until you're married, they end up waiting for something that number one may never happen. Right. But number two, it's just, again, it's like, I'm putting my pause, my, my life on hold until I can, you know, finally have what I really want in life. But like, that's not what God says. All throughout scripture, God's using people exactly where they're at. Not when they get to some point, not when they get something they want. God's like, no, right now you have a thing that you alone are created to do in this world. And so that was what I talked about with kids. And I specifically, I used the phrase like stop waiting, start creating, because mm -hmm. I wanted them to really see themselves as co-creators with God. Because if we are truly, which I believe we are, created in the image of the almighty God, that means that we are created in the image of the ultimate creator, right? Mm -hmm. The most imaginative being in all of the world. And that that is within us. That is in, in our heartbeat, right? Like that is in our very DNA to be creators. And so I had students start to make lists, and I would challenge them, like, I'm going to put some music on, here's some paper, here's a pen. And I said, just start jotting down. And, and I initially planned to give them just a couple minutes. I kid you not, Heather, I had kids writing for like 20 minutes, like wow. things that they wanted to build up within themselves, ways that they wanted to partner with God. And I remember some kids looking at me and being like, wait, I don't just have to like wait for God to decide who I am. And I'm like, Nah, the really cool thing about God is that God actually likes partners <laughs> and, and you're one of those, right? Like you are created by God to do good things in this world. And you better believe that means you are created by God to do good things in your own life. Mm -hmm. And so that shift was really monumental um, in my own life, but I saw incredible things in the lives of my students. I saw them actually becoming like a lot healthier in their own selves. I saw especially a lot of the girls really gain in a lot of strength and a lot of excitement. And it wasn't that we didn't talk about sex and it wasn't that we, you know, I mean, we did, we still talked about all of those things, but I always couched it in identity formation focused first on like, what is unique about who has God created, you know, you to be mm -hmm. and, and living like fiercely and faithfully into being that person because, okay, someday down the line, should you get married? How much better is your future partnership going to be? Because you know exactly who you are. I mean, and not like we're not all figuring out who we are constantly, <laughs> right? But right. how many women have I talked to? Again, they got married kind of young, got married out of this purity culture, and they're in their 30s, and they're finally like, I really got to figure out who I am. Yeah, I can say with total comp, like when I got married, I, I really knew what I was about. Mm -hmm. I knew what I believed. I, I knew like who I wanted to be. And I, and, and my husband knew that too. And he liked what he saw. <laughs> right. And I liked what I saw in him because he knew who he was. He had done his work. And also then, okay, should our future students grow up to become fiercely single people who, who, you know, in their forties and in their fifties and in their sixties are living lives as single individuals how incredible will it be that they know who they are, they know what they believe. And so because of that, they know what they should do. 
Mm. That it's not dependent on whether or not they're with another human being, because again, that is not promised to us. Wow. Yeah. So that was my, that was my big, (laughs) my big shift. (laughs) And, uh, and it was, it was amazing to see what it led to. Um, Number one, a lot more openness and conversation with, you know, guys and girls alike in the room. Mm-hmm. A lot more openness in talking about sex with guys and girls together in the room. And I think it was almost like it took the pressure off, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if you, you can stop thinking about waiting for marriage and start thinking about like, who am I creating with God right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I can live my life right now. And it allowed a number of um, students to share a lot of trauma that they were experiencing. A lot of mm-hmm. them had already either been sexually active, you know, by choice, or it was forced upon them. Sure. You know, many of them talked about abuses that they had suffered at the hands of, you know, maybe a family member or a friend or a boyfriend, a girlfriend. And they felt so much more free to talk about that because I wasn't telling them right. that they had to remain pure for the rest of their right. lives. And again, it, <laughs> I'm not trying to say that there's not real beauty in, mm-hmm. in, I even struggle to say the word saving yourself from marriage because I, I, that word was so damaging, uh-huh. to, you know, um, and maybe that's where I need to rethink and, and find some new language for that. But, you know, we did talk a lot about how do you honor yourself and how do you honor mm-hmm. God with your body? Because ultimately that's what it's about, right? Like you got to honor yourself with your body. Right. Um, and, and your body doesn't exist to please someone else. Like your body, your body is there to provide joy for you. Sure. And, and yeah, how cool is it if you choose, you know, to unite your body with another human being to create more pleasure and joy? That's awesome. Great. Yeah. You know, but like, that's, that's not the whole focus here. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just really incredible to see that, um, that shift and that change. And I think very, I know it's been incredibly freeing for me, uh, very freeing for a lot of my students. And I, I hope I, I, like you said, you know, I see that a lot of churches have shifted from purity language and I'm so glad, uh, and I hope that we continue to shift from that because how terrible is it to walk around thinking that there's something less than beautiful and holy about us just because maybe you had sex at a younger age or maybe someone hurt you at a younger age. Um, but like walking around feeling like whole people just the way we are, just because God has created us whole. Yeah, I wonder what what my 20s would have been like if I had spent time as a teenager not creating lists about my future spouse but right. creating lists about a future me yeah. and I think like one of the things that's probably simultaneously taught in churches that also teach purity culture is a very like selfless way of looking um mm-hmm. at yourself so yep. like very not focused on yourself and um I'm not saying that you should be completely selfish and just think of yourself. Um, But what I am saying is uh, the passage says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, not more than. And, (laughs) and I think that that means that you also love yourself and you care for yourself and you prioritize yourself and you take care of yourself. And once I realized that and started really caring for myself, 
Mm -hmm. I really started loving myself and enjoying myself. And um, when I met my husband, I was 26. So I wasn't a baby, um, but I also wasn't a grown, totally grown woman. Um, Like, you know, I wasn't, (laughs) I was 26. I was still, I was still young. Um, But my husband was 34 and he had never been married before. And um, another seven and a half year age gap. <laughs> like you. It's a great age gap. Love it. <laughs> Such a great age gap. <laughs> I was telling Rebecca before our call that I like to joke with him that I was, I'm his child bride. And he's always like, Heather, that's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, really, really have to be mindful about that joke. <laughs> yeah. He's this 38. <laughs> he's 38. And I'm always like, yeah, well, you're 40. So and he's like, I'm not 40 yet. Right? <laughs> not that it's wrong to be 40, but just, I like to push him on his age. Um, anyway, side, but um, when I met him, I was like, oh, great. I made myself whole so I could be united. And it's like, ew, mm-hmm. gross. That's bad too. Like maybe you just make yourself like whole just to make yourself whole yes, like maybe it's like just for you yeah <laughs> and it's funny because I'll talk to him about stuff and I'll say oh well I used to do this when I was single and I realized like the ways I cared for myself when I was single you know that I had really gotten to a place with myself where I was comfortable with myself I was okay to be alone and I really liked myself and I liked my company and um and like I don't know I it's not that I miss being single like at all Um, but what I do think, maybe what I do, um, think about is how much I cherished myself when I was single. And it took me a a long time to kind of get to that point where I really liked spending time with myself. Yeah. When I, (laughs) same, when I got married, I, well, I, well, actually when I started dating my husband, I, the biggest thing that I realized, like I had to mourn my single life. Cause mm-hmm. I had finally like created this life. I really, really loved. Like I had traveled a lot, mm-hmm. um, in my late twenties and early thirties with my girlfriends. I, mm-hmm. um, I, I had like, my home was just perfect. Right. Like it was decorated mm-hmm. exactly how I wanted it. It always smelled exactly how I wanted it. It was perfect. <laughs> and then, and then I started dating and I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I need to, I, I wanted to, I, I was privileged. I, I felt very privileged to be able to make space in my life for someone else. Um, and then I had like the one-two punch of, you know, I got married and I, I inherited a, a teenage son who I love very deeply. And he has taught me an enormous amount about myself. Um, and I went from being a single woman to not just a wife, but a stepmom of a teenager. And that was such a wild thing. And I realized like six months into it, I had barely spent time with myself because I was so mm. focused on figuring out like this new role, like, oh, I'm, I'm someone's wife now. And I'm someone's like parent type person now. And, and figuring out that was, um, <laughs> it was great. I grew a lot. It was also real tough. And I realized I was missing myself mm. because I had started to really, like, I really knew myself and I really liked myself. And I was kind of like my own best friend in like a really lovely way. (laughs) And so that has really been a good challenge for me in the last couple of years to really figure out, like, I have these roles that I love in the world. I love being, you know, my husband's wife. I love being my stepson's stepmom. Those are privileges that I am so grateful for. And I'm still a whole person all by myself. And, you know, again, as we talk about how we talk about marriage and sex and dating, all that stuff with students, I think when we can really help them to build up who they are all on their own, 
the person that, that God and all of God's goodness and wisdom has made them to be, that that is so freeing because yeah, they get to just be themselves as a whole individual, no matter what, no matter what relationships look like for them. And should they someday choose to partner themselves with someone else, they are not expecting that person to complete them, right? They are Mm. not expecting that person. Like my husband and I talk about this all the time. We thank each other for the fact that like, I take care of me and he takes care of him. And then I, I do take care of him and he does take care of me, but I'm not the only one taking care of him because he's taking care of him, right? He is in his own business. He is going to a counselor when he needs. He is making sure to eat well. He's making sure to, you know, work out or get the right amount of sleep. So I don't have to be the person that's like, okay, Nate, come on, snap to it. Go take care. You know, it's like, I get to. (laughs) And I think that's like part, and we don't have time to get into this today, but I think that that's one of the things purity culture teaches too, is like, Mm -hmm. and let me just say, because I know that I I have a lot of women in youth ministry who are queer, who are probably listening to this and thinking that, and I, and I admit it, we're talking very much from a heteronormative standpoint oh, or yeah. viewpoint today. Um, like purity culture does not even touch anything outside of heteronormative or uh, straight male to female relationships. Yep. And um, therefore, do we, we don't have more damage. <laughs> right. And we don't even have time to get into that today. We've talked a little bit about it on a few other episodes. Um, but when it's, when purity culture does talk about kind of male and female relationships, what it talks about is, um, a woman is designed for serving a husband. And then what we're all also teaching men is that yeah. you're hopeless or helpless without a wife to take care of you. Right. And so it's exactly what you're saying is like, like when we're teaching kids to show up for themselves and to think about who is their future self, like what do, like if I were to assign points for what my future self looked like instead, right? Like when I was 16, I remember telling my friends, if I'm not married with a baby by the time I'm 24, just kill me, which, oh my gosh, ew, I, gross. Right. I completely thought I would be married at 23. Cause that was my, the age my mom got married. Right. I was married at 33. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know what? For me, that was exactly the right age. Weird. My mom was 19 when she got married. I was 29. yeah I'm with you and there is there is so much to that and um oh. well and I think it also then breeds which again this is yet another podcast but that whole focus on like okay well women are designed for this and men are designed for this breeds this like icky toxic masculinity in which men think that they have to be this one thing right like this super strong provider and then we have like the words that I think do so much damage like oh don't be effeminate like really come on come on men are created for so much more just like women are created for so much more I like how we said that's another podcast like 12 times so (laughs) we've like outlined a whole nother series everybody but we do have to wrap up today so um, there's a question I like to close us out and it could be completely re- related or unrelated to your topic today, okay. which is, um, you know, we are the women in youth ministry podcast and what word do you have for the women listening? Yeah. My word would be, you are created on purpose and with purpose 
you are created whole just the way you are. And I know that you're definitely going to probably not believe that sometimes. Maybe even after you've done a lot of work to believe that. Um, but who you are is actually enough because God doesn't make mistakes. I do not believe that God makes mistakes in creating you the way you are. So Amen. I hope that you can rest in that peace. Hmm. Rebecca, thank you so much for being on this week. Thank I've had a blast. You. And like I said, we've outlined like a 12 week series for the future. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to um, put Rebecca's bio and her social media links if you'd like to connect with her. Um, in the description box. And I just want to thank everyone for listening and I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us on Insta or Twitter at Women in YM. If you're a woman listening, we'd love to have you in our Facebook community. Visit womeninyouthministry.com to learn more.